Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here. Um, today I want to talk about your thyroid gland, how it works, um, basically the six steps or so that are involved in uh, the production and activation of thyroid hormone, and then some of the common disease states that can occur uh, with this gland in general. So um, the reason I want to make this video is because uh, people have a tendency to sort of uh, interact with the things that I say and and uh, some of the content that I produce in one of two ways and one of those ways is they they tend to immediately reject it um, and then the other is they tend to sort of be open to it and so um, for those people that may not understand uh, maybe perhaps some of the basics about how the thyroid gland works this video may help to may help them understand this um, and it may actually um, make the other videos that I have easier to understand. So this is probably where I should have started with, but um, here we are. So anyway, let's kind of jump into this. Uh, again, if you want to go to this uh, specific uh, blog post itself, because we're going to be basing this off of uh, this post, you are certainly welcome to do that um, on my blog. Um, I'm going to just give an overview of some of the information here um, in a more casual way, but uh, you're certainly welcome to uh, go to go to it and read through it uh, in detail because there's a lot more information and then of course I always put um, any of this uh, this highlighted text that is orange is a link to any of the claims that I make here so there are always uh, links to the scientific studies to back up any of the claims that I make here for um, in, in relation to anything that I say so um, first of all let's just talk about uh, the thyroid gland and the basics and then also thyroid physiology so physiology in medicine is just really the the study of how something works and so when we talk about physiology now it's really important because if you know how something works then you can you can reverse engineer it and figure out um, when something is not working and why it's not working so we you really do need to have an understanding now most of the time physiology is important just to the physician but the problem with the thyroid is that a lot of the sort of uh, basic to complex uh, disease states that can occur in your thyroid gland many physicians sort of just uh, gloss over some of the the nuances and the complexities of the gland and so it's actually important as a patient that you understand um, some of these things so why do we care about um, your thyroid so I I like to consider your thyroid well the thyroid hormone, you know, and your thyroid produces that hormone. I like to consider thyroid hormone as probably one of the uh, master hormones or, or master uh, hormones which regulates um, a number of different very important things in your body. So uh, I've listed all of these things and then, of course, included links to uh, the relevant uh, research to, to cite the claims. But basically, these are these are some of the important um, functions that your your thyroid or thyroid hormone itself helps to regulate so one of these is your body weight and this is definitely uh, an important one for a lot of people and I think one of the main reasons that people seek out further information um, of regarding or, or relating to their thyroid is usually because they have some weight related issue and a lot of the time that uh, ends up being something like weight gain right or uh, another frequent thing is that they are have the inability to lose weight which is not a normal thing so um, that the two really big things there um, part of the, part of the way that your thyroid helps regulate your body weight is because it helps regulate your metabolism and so what, what I say here is basically that that your thyroid helps to determine how many calories you burn at rest and it does that through primarily um, its ability to uh, increase heat production but also it has to do with uh, its ability to impact energy production or ATP uh, in your mitochondria so 
the amount of energy and heat that you're producing at rest, the, the higher that is, the more calories you're going to burn at rest. So these things all kind of go together, but it does regulate e each of these things. Now, it's not the sole thing responsible for your metabolism, and it's not the sole thing responsible for um, the production of heat, but it's estimated anywhere from like 40 to 70%, depending on which study you look at and um, other factors. So it still is a significant chunk. Uh, it's also... Very important for the regulation of cosmetic features. So, um, and, and I would say this is probably a close second in which gets people into the doctor because if you, if you, uh, have issues with nail growth or, or you're losing your hair or your skin texture is changing or you're developing rashes, um, those will bring you into the doctor fairly quickly because obviously the, cosmetic features of your body are, are, are important, especially as it relates to um, your confidence and things like that. So thyroid hormone does regulate a number of these very important things as well. Uh, it regulates your intestinal motility, and basically what that is is it's a way to describe how quickly or, or how slowly your intestines move. So uh, one of the major symptoms of uh, hypothyroidism is constipation, and that's because if you have um, low thyroid hormone, then your bowels are going to slow down, which obviously isn't a good thing. Thyroid hormone also helps to regulate, at least in part, some of your sex hormones. So those would, those these hormones include uh, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So uh, thyroid hormone, for instance, in men, uh, hypothyroidism can result in low testosterone. And then in women, it's very well known that hypothyroidism results in uh, infertility, but also menstrual irregularity. So thyroid hormone is, is influencing and impacting all of these sex hormones, which again is huge. Uh, it also impacts cortisol and, and um, therefore energy levels. So that's why people often um, associate fatigue uh, with, with hypothyroidism. That's one of the main symptoms um, as well. And then also thyroid hormone helps pr to promote normal cognition and then also mood. So one of the common symptoms of uh, hypothyroidism is, is depression, but it could also be manifested as anxiety or, or even bipolar disorder. And then as if all these things weren't enough, it also helps to regulate blood pressure, heart rate, and then of course cholesterol. So I mean, it, there's, more, there's more things that it helps regulate, but this gives you a pretty good idea of just how important this thing is. Um, this thing meaning thyroid hormone, and, and, and thyroid hormone comes from your gland, which is why we're talking about the gland today. So very important. If you want to read about any one of these things, you, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, you can click through um, and figure that out. But So let's talk a little bit about how the thyroid gland does all these things, because it's it's a you know it's a bold claim to make that that it regulates all of these major functions, and so it's kind of important to understand how exactly it's doing this. And so I've created, or I didn't create this, but this is taken from a study here, and it outlines just some of the the complexities of this system. So I'm going to break this apart and make it a a little bit easier to digest uh, for you. But but this is essentially the basics of it, and I want to draw your attention to to a couple things as we talk about this. Um, the first is that when you go into the doctor's office, uh, most of the time these doctors are going to assess this entire thyroid system with, with the, through one test, and that's the TSH. And so as we talk about the, each of the steps involved here, I just want you to realize that there are many more um, variables involved um, in addition to the TSH that you could be looking at. And so this is something that kind of goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning, that 
a lot of this may sound confusing if I just say you need to order these tests and you need to look at this and you need to you know consider thyroid conversion and you know blah 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 all these things it can be really confusing until you understand the basic physiology so once you understand this basic physiology everything will sort of fit in line and I think it'll make a lot more sense to you so sorry for putting this out so late but like I said here we are so let's start with um, I talk about some of the thyroid hormones here but we, we don't necessarily need to talk about that today so let's start with step one and that is um, involved in this whole thyroid cascade and that is TRH secretion and TRH stands for um, thyrotropin releasing hormone and so this is different from TSH which is down here so TRH is the first thing and TRH is secreted from a uh, gland in your brain called the hypothalamus and basically what the hypothalamus is doing is this is kind of the, the easy way to think about it the, the hypothalamus is sampling your blood uh, for a number of different factors and enzymes and, and any sort of changes and based off of what it experiences and, and what it what the data that it obtains it helps to regulate all of the following steps below it and so one of the things that the hypothalamus is known for setting is your uh, your metabolism um, or your body's set point or otherwise basically just your total body weight and so a lot of this comes at a highly regulated place in your brain known as the hypothalamus and you can think of it kind of like a thermostat okay so if your brain says your hypothalamus really not your brain but it is a part of your brain if it says hey your weight is going to be 160 pounds the hypothalamus sets that like a like a thermostat and or, or, or like an like an air conditioning in your house and it just stays there right it doesn't really matter what you do it doesn't care what you do it's just there and so a lot of the goals in treating um, hypothalamic dysfunction uh, center around trying to reset where that that sort of uh, knob is or, or dial is, is uh, set at so realize that there's probably a lot of factors here that your hypothalamus is sensing for that we don't quite understand and I'll give you an example so if you're in a state of starvation from caloric restriction let's say like something like the ACG diet your hypothalamus senses that. I'm not really sure exactly why, and I don't think anyone knows exactly how or why it does this, but it does sense it. And part of the sensing comes uh, through, through blood and several other probably proteins and enzymes and things like this. But, but anyway, it knows that it's there, and it dials down your metabolism because it, it wants to match the amount of calories that you're consuming. Now, this is probably a protective mechanism, uh, and it makes sense because you you wouldn't want to continue to burn 2,000 calories if you were only consuming 1,000. Um, and the simple analogy I use is sort of like a like a bank account. So imagine you're making, you know, let's just say $100,000 a year, and you're spending $100,000 a year. Well, that's fine. But what happens when you start, you know, you you get a, a cut in uh, whatever your pay, and it goes down to 50,000? Are you going to continue to spend 100,000? Well, no, because you're going to run out of money, and this is the same sort of way that you can think about how your hypothalamus functions. So it wants to match the amount of calories that you um, uh, burn with the amount of calories that you consume, and in this way, it's it's highly regulating your metabolism and your body set point. Now, this is important because remember, I was telling you the thyroid is, or at least in part, responsible for the regulation of your metabolism, the regulation of heat production, and things like this. So the hypothalamic function and thyroid function are closely linked in this way. So just th just remember, and again, this is I know it's getting a little more. Uh, complex than I had imagined when I started this, but remember that TRH is the hypothalamus's way of uh, regulating all of the steps below it. So anyway, it is very important. 
Um, the second step is, so let's say, so TRH gets secreted and then from the hypothalamus and then it goes and it talks to the pituitary gland, which is relatively close to it. Um, and this is where TSH comes in. So, so TSH is secreted by the pituitary gland. Um, and I should have mentioned this before, but there is an axis in the body and it's a hormonal axis. It's called the HPT axis and it stands for hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis. And it's, it's named that way because the, the talk and the crosstalk between all of these organs and systems is highly regulated and, and very, very important. So TSH is the second step involved in this system. And TSH, TSH itself gives you kind of an idea of um, what is happening at the pituitary gland. So most doctors look at the TSH and they think, okay, let's just use this as a way to determine what's happening between the hypothalamus and the pituitary and the thyroid gland. And they sort of use this as, as a way to determine what's happening at all three levels. But it's probably, that's probably okay for some people. But it, obviously, such a simple, simplistic approach to a complex system is, is not going to make sense for complex patients or, or even every patient, right? It just, it just doesn't make sense intuitively. Um, another issue with using the TSH is that the, the pituitary itself is probably one of the most sensitive tissues in your body to thyroid hormone okay and what that means is if there's any thyroid hormone floating around in the blood and it reaches the pituitary it's going to sense it and it sometimes will sense it before other tissues do in your body so it can't really be used as a marker of all of, of the thyroid hormone status of all tissues in your body for this reason. Now, I won't get into the specifics but basically it has to do with different enzymes that activate and inactivate thyroid hormone so the pituitary has special ones that just don't exist. Uh, well, it doesn't have special ones, but it has different ones um, that don't exist elsewhere. So anyway, wrapping this sort of up, it goes TRH from the hypothalamus to TSH from the pituitary. And then that, that uh, TSH stands for thyroid stimulating hormone, and it does exactly that. So the whole goal of TSH is to be secreted, and it goes from your brain down to your neck, where your thyroid gland should be. And then it says, hey, thyroid tissue, you need to start producing thyroid hormone. So that's the next step here. So this is uh, the next step is basically your thyroid gland, how receptive it is it is to this TSH, and for, not necessarily how receptive it is, but is it even capable of producing thyroid hormone? So one of the ways that we diagnose hypothyroidism, which is low thyroid hormone, is with a high TSH. So you might say that gets a little bit confusing, especially for some patients, because it doesn't exactly make intuitive sense. So how, why would a high TSH mean that there's low thyroid hormone? And the reason is because even though there's a high TSH, your thyroid gland is not able to produce thyroid hormone. So what happens is it's like your body is screaming at your thyroid gland, make more, make more, make more, and it's doing the best that it can. It can't make any more. So your body thinks, well, if I just yell louder, then maybe it'll make more. It, it, obviously, it doesn't work, but that's sort of the, the natural response that your body has when it's not producing enough. So in that way, that's why a high TSH usually um, is an early sign of hypothyroidism or late. It doesn't really matter, but it's just a sign of low thyroid hormone to begin with. So once TSH, so assuming normal function, TSH then hits your thyroid gland and your thyroid produces um, some percentage of T4 and T3 which are the active thyroid hormones. Now, the amount that it produces is up for uh, debate, and I, I've seen various numbers. Uh, the ones that I see uh, most frequently is 80% T4 and 20% T3, but again, it depends on the study and, and what you're looking at. So I'm just gonna use that for now. Um, just realize that there's some 
some say different numbers, but, but the theme is this. The theme is that the majority of thyroid hormone um, that is being produced is in the T4 form, not the T3 form. And that's important because the T4 is the inactive form of thyroid hormone. T3 is, of course, the active form. So your body's producing way more of the inactive form than it is the active form. And the reason it does that is because it, it has to do with the next step. Um, so once thyroid hormone has been produced, your body then has to convert it. And so the reason that probably it produces more T4 than T3 is because then it can take the T4 and it can only convert the amount that it needs, right? So it'd, it'd be like um, producing a, a ton of it and your body saying, well, we don't need that much right now. So let's just convert a little bit here and a little bit there and we'll use what we need and we'll keep a little bit for leftover. And, and if we need it, let's say if we get really stressed or um, if, you know, if we start whatever, experience some sort of difficult uh, scenario, then we can produce it as we need it. So this conversion process, which is very important, is pr probably, um, your body probably developed it in a way to more uh, highly regulate how much thyroid hormone is being activated at any given time. Now, the problem is this activation is still important for the steps five and steps five and six, which are basically how how is um, thyroid hormone interacting with your cells, at, or is it interacting with your cells? So this conversion process is very important for that reason. Now, what can happen is a number of disease states can blunt the T4 to T3 conversion. So, like I said, going back to the example I set forth earlier, I said to you that remember when you do calorie restriction, such as any diet, but let's just say the HCG diet, H HCG diet. Um, your your body is going to go into like a starvation type mode. Your hypothalamus is going to say, it's going to recognize that there's not a lot of calories and it's going to respond by saying, slow down thyroid hormone production. Now, one of the things it also does is it blunts T4 to T3 conversion. Because remember, I said previously that the body uses the conversion as a way to regulate how much it actually needs at any given time. And so, if it needs less, of course it's going to blunt less, or, or it's going to—it's not going to convert um, as much uh, as it would otherwise. So, in the case of calorie restriction, the thyroid conversion process is, is heavily blunted compared to normal physiologic states. And so, this is important because you can actually attempt to assess how much is being converted, and and um, you could, because you can look at the amount of T4, the amount of T3, and then another metabolite known as reverse T3, which we're not going to get into here. But just know that this conversion process is very important. I talk a lot about this and link to several studies, um, but that's all we're going to say about that for now. Um, and then once it gets converted, and uh, once it gets converted, it still has to impact um, or have an effect on the cells themselves. And so this would be thyroid hormone action at the cellular level. And the way that your thyroid does this is in two important ways. So first is the genomic effects, which is the literally the changing of genetic transcription and the production of um, of genes and, and enzymes and things like this, okay? And so I use an example here. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the examples of a genomic effect is thyroid hormone increases the production of enzymes that then increase ATP production in your mitochondria. So in order to do this, so it, you know, thyroid hormone gets into the cell, gets into the nucleus, and then it uh, in, interacts and, and changes the whatever enzymes are being created, and then those enzymes go and interact with various other structures in the cell. And so for in this case, they go and they interact with the mitochondria, and then you produce more energy, you feel better, you produce more, your metabolism goes higher, etc. Now, the genomic effects are, I would say, they're probably the most important aspect of, of thyroid hormone, and these genomic effects are the result of 
T3 thyroid hormone action at the cellular level. So that, that's the important thing. So basically, if you don't have a lot of T3, you're not going to get these benefits. Um, and those should be, those should be separated from the non-genomic effects. And so non-genomic effects basically means any effects that are mediated on the outside of the nucleus. And usually they occur, um, directly on the, the, at the cellular membrane itself. And so one of the examples I talk about here is T3 directly impacts the activity of calcium channels, um, which are located on your heart. Sorry, not on, but but in your heart, in the cells of your hearts, or of your heart. And so, what'll happen is, if T3 directly sits on those channels, it can uh, alter the amount of calcium that's being um, influx or efflux, which may result in an increase in heart rate and an increase in force of contraction. So, if you think about it, this, makes perfect sense. So, what is one of the, the the potential side effects of using T3 medication? It's heart palpitations. So, the heart palpitations are experienced relatively quickly compared to the genomic effects because genomic effects may take a lot more time to, to sort of kick in because you're again you're you're changing the way that your genes are being produced versus the non-genomic effects which are almost immediate so if you take something and they sit on a cell and they alter the amount of calcium that comes in boom you're gonna feel the difference right away so these things are, are very important um, and, and the importance here is that remember they're mostly mediated by t3 which is the active thyroid hormone so if you're not producing sufficient T3, because you're not converting it, which is in step four, then obviously thyroid hormone action may be blunted um, as well. And then of course, the last step here um, is the feedback loop um, and the regulation of the entire system. So what happens is as, you, as your body creates and activates thyroid hormone, then some of that thyroid hormone gets back in the cell, it goes back, or I'm sorry, gets into the bloodstream, goes back up to the the brain to the hypothalamus and the pituitary and then your brain says okay am i getting enough am i not how should i tweak the amount that i'm producing and then it continues in that loop going forward so basically um this is the six-step system now just intuitively i want you to think about it does it sound like it's sufficient or perhaps a good idea to assess this this entire system with just one single test and intuitively i think your answer would be probably not um, especially since not everyone sort of fits this uh, standard mold. And so it may make more sense for certain individuals, especially those that uh, perhaps don't respond to conventional treatment, that you look at these more nuanced areas. And you can test for these things and you can look at these. That's sort of outside the scope um, uh, of what we're going to be talking about today. But, but the whole point is I wanted to talk about the complexity of this system. Now, um, I want to talk about the, the symptoms here, but basically any dysfunction of the gland itself can result in either excessive thyroid hormone production, which would be hyperthyroid-like symptoms, um, or it can, it can uh, result in hypothyroid symptoms due to insufficient gland function or insufficient thyroid hormone um, uh, production. So just realize that this process can go either way. Now, a lot of the time it ends up, I would say the majority of the cases end up uh, damaging the gland to the point where it doesn't produce enough. But it could also be, you know, it could also result in hyperthyroid symptoms. So just remember, the gland itself uh, can can either produce too much or too little based off of what is happening in all six of these steps and, and the regulation and such. So, um, and that goes along with some of these other conditions that I've described here. Um, I'll go over just just a couple of these real quick. But basically, we talked about hypothyroidism. So if any of these steps uh, go wrong, then 
in a way that uh, damages your thyroid gland or um, perhaps isn't um, you aren't converting enough thyroid hormone or let's say that your TSH is not functioning as, as well on the thyroid gland itself or perhaps you're in that starvation mode we talked about all of these things will change that system in a way that does that, that your body does not produce enough thyroid hormone and this is called hypothyroidism and so a lot of what I talk about is hypothyroidism and and how to treat it and things like that simply because it's the most common um, another condition that it can occur is called thyroiditis and so thyroiditis is a non-specific term that is used to describe a state of inflammation in the thyroid gland and thyroiditis uh, I'll give you an example of one of the most uh, common thyroiditis conditions and that would be Hashimoto's thyroiditis so Hashimoto's is actually an autoimmune disease okay and it's an autoimmune disease that results in inflammation of the thyroid gland because your body is attacking it so if there's immune if there's immune system dysfunction and there's but there's still inflammation there it's still a thyroiditis like condition now thyroiditis is tricky because it can result in both hyperthyroid symptoms and hypothyroid symptoms and it kind of depends on which type of thyroiditis it is how long it's been there um, and what stage in the disease you're at so just just realize it's a it's a non-specific term and a lot of other conditions sort of fall under the umbrella of thyroiditis but but the bottom line is any condition which results in inflammation to the gland will cause this one and then of course hyperthyroidism we talked about that before um, that's the exact opposite of hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism is the result of excessive thyroid hormone production so uh, one of the examples of hyperthyroidism would be Graves disease so Graves is an autoimmune disease but it's different from Hashimoto's in that um, there's different antibodies that that latch on to different components of um, of the thyroid gland which cause excessive thyroid hormone production okay and so it's a different different uh, uh, beast entirely there another thing that can occur is of course thyroid cancer so thyroid cancer itself doesn't usually um, result in changes to thyroid hormone concentration so that's one of the only conditions that we're going to talk about here with, and then also thyroid nodules which is below but thyroid cancer itself is, is usually a different beast so um, don't think of that in terms of affecting thyroid function usually so the vast majority of the time um, it, it's just a, it's an abnormal growth and then it, it's cancerous but the good news is that thyroid cancer itself has a very high five-year survival rate um, which is in the high 90th percentile or so I think it's like 90 maybe 95 96 97 percent or so so good survival rate among cancers uh, and then another very common condition is thyroid nodules and so these are these are concerning because um, a nodule is just basically a growth now most of the the growth that can occur in your thyroid gland tend to be benign meaning they're not really a big problem but you still need to keep an eye on them so and just like thyroid cancer thyroid nodules usually do not alter thyroid hormone levels so patients who have these don't have the symptoms of hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism usually that's not true of every every single thyroid uh, nodule but most of the time that's true so um, that's pretty much it this just sort of wraps up the th basics about the thyroid gland which should help to give you a lot of uh, information just the basic information about physiology and the steps involved and so what I would what I would now encourage you to do is take this information um, now that you have sort of this background and then go look at some of the more nuanced uh, uh, videos and, and blog posts that I have because the, it'll now start to make a lot more sense as to why I talk about these things and and their importance um, and, and then hopefully like I said if you have questions do your research look at the links that I provide um, read about them in the in the literature do all of these things and so you'll come to a conclusion that I think similar as, as me is 
which is I think a lot of the times thyroid function needs to be or thyroid management needs to be regulated um, and titrated to the individual. It's really hard to put a uh, simple algorithm that that extends to every single person because of the complexities of the system. And likewise, if you have any questions or anything like that, um, feel free to leave them below, um, and I'll do my best to uh, to answer those questions. But um, otherwise, I will see you guys in the next video.